You're listening to A Prophet, a collaboration between Sakhlain and Al-Hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sakhlain.org support. So now, Banu Qurayza, these Jews inside the city of Medina, remember we mentioned that their fort was two miles away from the center of the city, so they're inside the city limits. They decide to commit treason. The Prophet becomes aware that they have violated the pact. How does this happen other than revelation? Like naturally, how is the Prophet informed? The Prophet had skilled informants to tell him what's going on. So basically, the Prophet ﷺ deputed Sa'd ibn Ma'ad, one of his companions, and Sa'd ibn Ubadah, these two companions. They were very brave and they were chiefs of their tribes of the Aus and Khazraj. Remember, the Medina had two main tribes, Aus and Khazraj. So the Prophet chose two tribal leaders who represent these two to go and collect information about the Jews. And remember, the people of Medina historically had an acquaintance with the Jews. So they knew them personally. They've lived, they live in one city. The Prophet told them, SubhanAllah, look at the intelligence of the Prophet. The Prophet told them, if you go to Banu Quraidha and you sense that they have betrayed us, or it's, it, it's clear to you that they have torn apart the pact, come and tell me that they have betrayed us using secret words don't make it known publicly why because this is very sensitive information right it's intelligence you need to make decisions before it spreads because if it spreads too quickly they will know so they will hasten in their attack so the prophet told them use two code words one is aval and the other is qarra or alqarra aval and qarra were two tribes that attacked Muslims during the Raji incident. We talked last year or two years ago about the Raji incident where Muslim, a Muslim expedition was mercilessly killed by these two evil tribes. So the Prophet said, that's the code word. Come to me, if you say Aval and Qarra, that means they've committed treason. <laughs> SubhanAllah, look at the intelligence of the Prophet so Sa'd ibn Ma'ad, Sa'd ibn Ubadah, they go and they walk to the gate of the fortress of Banu Qurayza and Medina, along with two other people with them. On their first encounter with Ka'b, the leader of Banu Qurayza, who's supposed to be a decent person, a tribal leader, their first encounter with him, they hear him using abusive language and foul language and cursing them. They're like, oh no, this doesn't look good. He's openly just cursing us now. Definitely they've committed treason. Then one of them, Sa'd ibn Ma'ad or Sa'd ibn Ubadah, he becomes angry. He states, by Allah, these, the army of these Arabs will go away from this territory and the Prophet will besiege this fortress and he'll teach you a lesson. Why are you doing this? They simply kept, you know, continuing their verbal assaults. Sa'd ibn Ubadah, and Sa'd ibn Ma'ad quickly went back to the Prophet and they told him, Ya Rasulullah, Aval and Qarra. So now the Prophet naturally knew what had happened, treason. An act of treason has been committed. 
as soon as the Prophet heard that, and the news by the way had already spread because Kaab was vocal in front of the women and children in Medina, he started cursing them. So news started to spread, the Jews of Bani Quraiza are committing treason. Imagine the hearts of the women and children in Medina. They're like our men are outside by the trench. Now these Jews of Banu Quraidah can come and just kill us instantly. They started to shake and tremble with fear. In order to let the people of Medina know that everything will be under control, Allah is with us, as soon as the Prophet is told those two key words, code words, that they have committed treason, the Prophet started to chant Allahu Akbar. All the Muslims started to chant with him, Allahu Akbar, God is greater, God is greater. The women and children in Medina, they started to hear these chants from the Muslim army, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, they felt safe. They're like, Rasulullah knows what he's doing, he's aware and they're with us, they're going to basically protect us. So the Prophet wanted to ensure that the morale of the Muslim army is not weakened. So that's an interesting strategy that the Prophet used. Okay, so what was the strategy of Banu Quraidah? What did they want to do? Initially, they're like, let's plunder Medina from inside. Let's frighten the women and the children. And basically, we'll overtake Medina from the inside. Then we'll let the 10,000 strong army of the Arabs on the other side of the trench of the Khandaq that we have overtaken Medina. Let's now come and finish Muhammad and his army. Any questions about this so far? The Prophet sent a number of Muslims inside the city of Medina to patrol the city because now we're no longer safe from Banu Quraidah. So we need to patrol the city and make sure that we monitor what they do. So now let's see what happens in the encounter. The Muslims are on this side of the trench. The Ahzab, the Arab tribes are on the other side of the trench. And this was the first time that all these Arab tribes had conspired to fight Muslims. With previous battles, it was Quraysh or this tribe or that tribe. This was the first time that Arab tribes united against the religion of Islam. So this is a very critical battle. The Arabs realized that this is not going to be an easy feat over here. So they wanted to have the most powerful warrior in Arabia with them. And who was the most powerful warrior in Arabia at the time? Amr ibn Wud. Amr ibn, Amr ibn Abdud. Amr ibn Wud or Abdud, we say Amr ibn Wud for short. He was known to be the toughest, strongest, most muscular, powerful warrior in Arabia. They brought him. The Muslims heard Amr ibn Abdul is on the other side. That scared them. That just spooked them and freaked them. Remember, in previous battles, Badr, Uhud, this guy had not participated. Now you had new tribes to come and fight the Prophet. So the presence of Amr on the other side really frightened the Muslims. And this battle, my dear brothers and sisters, represented all of Iman on one side and all of Kufr on the other side. 
That's because the only true believers on the face of the planet on that day were who? The Prophet and those companions. No other place on earth you had a group of believers. So that group of Muslims, about a thousand, represented all the believers there were on earth. And on the other side, the pagans represented the disbelievers on earth. Now some sources indicate that the banner of the Muhajireen was in the hands of Zayd ibn al-Haritha and the banner of the Ansar was with Sa'd ibn Ubadah. But we have in our traditions that the main banner was given to Imam Ali So yes, maybe the smaller banner was given to Zayd to represent the Muhajireen and another one was given to Sa'd ibn Ubadah to represent the Ansar. But the main banner that unified the entire Muslim army was under Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib In one hadith, Imam al-Hassan al-Mujtaba, when he went to Damascus and he met Muawiyah in one trip, the Imam السلام, told them, ثُمَّ لَقِيَكُمْ يَوْمَ أُحُدْ وَيَوْمَ الْأَحْزَابِ وَمَعَهُ رَايَةُ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ My father Ali ibn Abi Talib, was with the Prophet in the Battle of Ahzab and he had the banner of Rasulullah. You Muawiyah, your father Abu Sufyan, in that battle, he was carrying the banner of shirk. Know who you are and know who I am. So the Arab armies were ready to fight, but that ditch was just in their way. They could not figure out a strategy to cross over the ditch and start the battle. And remember we talked about the bitter winter that year and basically this, the, the shortage of food because of the famine. Huyay ibn Akhtab, that evil Jewish leader, he realized that this army is going to perish. So we need to help them. So he brought 20 camel loads of dates from the Jews of Banu Quraidah to give them. So he organized a caravan of 20 camels coming from inside Medina, from the Jews of Banu Quraidah who had just broken the pact, going to the army. The Muslims saw that, they confiscated all those dates and they ate them. <laughs> so that was a failure on their part. On that day, after a month of waiting, Abu Sufyan got frustrated. He's like, you know what, we're not going anywhere. How are we going to win this battle? So he writes a letter to the Prophet. He tells him, I have come with a big army to overthrow your religion. He's openly saying that. But what am I going to do? It appears that you don't want to confront us and you put a ditch between you and us. I don't know where you learned this military strategy from. But I have to tell you one thing, I'm not going back until I spill your blood. Maybe in this letter he wanted to drag the Prophet into a confrontation. No, you know, we're not scared, let's confront. Maybe that was his strategy. In any case, the Prophet replies to Abu Sufyan with the following words according to this hadith. He says, from Muhammad, the messenger of Allah, to Abu Sufyan ibn Harb. You've been priding yourself since long and imagine that you can extinguish the light of Islam. However, you should know that you're too weak to do something like that. 
you will return soon after suffering defeat and I shall later break the big idols of Quraysh in Mecca in front of your eyes. <laughs> this letter shattered Abu Sufyan and you know the pagans knew Muhammad is truthful. He never lied. So when he says I'm going to win, he is going to win. But what do you do? You brought all these armies. You can't, you know, uh, go back now. There are other versions of this letter or maybe there were two letters. For instance, Ibn Jurayr al-Tabari in his seerah, he narrates the following. Abu Sufyan said to the Prophet, فَإِنَّكَ قَدْ قَتَلْتَ أَبْطَالَنَا You've already killed our warriors at Badr. وَأَيْتَمْتَ الْأَطْفَالِ وَأَرْمَلْتَ النِّسَاءِ You've made our kids orphans. You've made our women widows, meaning at the Battle of Badr. وَالْآنَ قَدْ اجْتَمَعَتِ الْقَبَائِلُ وَالْعَشَائِرُ يَطْلُبُونَ قِتَالَكَ And now all these parties and tribes have gathered, they want to kill you. And we have come basically to destroy you. We're going to destroy Medina. Get ready. The Prophet ﷺ responds to him, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. وَصَلَ كِتَابُ أَهْلِ الشِّرْكِ وَالنِّفَاقِ The letter of the people of shirk and hypocrisy has reached me. وَالْكُفْرِ وَالشِّقَاقِ Disbelieved and divisions. وَفَهِمْتُ مَقَالَتَكُمْ I understand what you're saying Abu Sufyan. But here's my reply to you. فَوَاللَّهِ مَا لَكُمْ عِنْدِي إِلَّا أَطْرَافُ الرِّمَاحِ I have nothing but spears for you if you want to fight us. وَشِفَارُ الصِّفَاحِ And swords. فَرْجِعُوا وَيْلَكُمْ عَنْ عِبَادَةِ الْأَصْلَامِ Go back. Stop your evil. وَأَبْشِرُوا بِضَرْبِ الْحُسَامِ I give you the good news that we will strike you with our swords. وَبِفَلْقِ الْهَامِ We're going to split your heads open. <laughs> See, when an arrogant leader sends a letter like that, acting he's tough, you have to act tough too. You know, you can't tell him, no, come here, kill me, but I'm going to forgive you. That's irresponsible to do something like that. In spite of this, my dear brothers and sisters, the Prophet ﷺ did call them to peace. The Prophet told them numerous times, I'm not here to fight. You guys go back, we don't have to have a war. You guys came to my city, Medina. Mecca is like three, 280 miles from Medina. You guys came here. I'm not, I don't insist on fighting. Either believe or just go back to your cities and we don't have a war. So the Prophet really tried, but these people just want a war. So the army of the pagans, they're like, this is not working. Let's try to cross. Khalid ibn al-Walid, he tries to cross the ditch. Some others, they try to cross the ditch, but the Prophet had assigned some 200 Muslim soldiers monitoring the entire trench area. Anytime they see someone trying to cross, they would pelt him with stones, so they couldn't. The Prophet also would play a beautiful role in uplifting the morale of the Muslim army. So one day he addressed them, he told them, O soldiers of Islam, remain steadfast before the enemy and remember that paradise is under the shadow of those swords. It's okay, even if we get killed, you Muslims are going to paradise, what do you have to lose? And imagine if you're told within minutes you can go to paradise. Isn't, isn't that the most beautiful opportunity? So, so that would really boost the morale of the Muslims. And then the Prophet announced this motto, you know in... Uh, a war, you have a slogan, you have a motto. What was the motto or the slogan of Muslims? 
Hamim la yunsarun. What does that mean? What's Hamim? They're two letters from the Quran. You know how we have the disconnected letters of the Holy Quran? Why is the Prophet using Hamim, these two disconnected letters that some surahs start with, in the battle as a, as a slogan? Why would you do that? What's, what purpose does it serve? Well, Hamim was a reminder for all that the Quran is a miracle from God. Remember that this Quran that has saved us so far, it's made from what? Letters. It's just composed of letters, but it's miraculous. So Islam had intellectually challenged the pagans through the Quran, but now Islam was physically challenging them. So the Prophet was basically telling the Muslims, don't remember, don't forget the Quran. Remember using these letters? Allah proved His miracle and we intellectually challenged them all? See the Prophet is reminding them very beautifully. So this was a reminder of God's victory. And, it, and then the next word was لا يُنصرون. لا يُنصرون, they won't be supported so they won't win, yes. It means the Prophet was casting terror in the hearts of the other army that look, you will not be helped. And when you say you will not be helped, you're saying two things. You guys are too weak to achieve victory and no one's going to help you. Whereas we have Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with us. So the Muslims would say, Hamim la yunsarun. Hamim la yunsarun. This would actually move those evil pagans on the other side. But then again, remember, the Prophet would still admonish them, give them advice to the army, you know, stop this. Now, some champions from the other side, they cross the ditch. Specifically, five. Amr ibn Abdul, Ikrama ibn Abu Jahl, Hubayra ibn Wahab, Nawfal ibn Abdullah, Zirar ibn al-Khattab. These five, they manage to cross over the ditch. The ditch. You know what they do? They inspect the ditch and they see the narrowest part during this whole area. They inspect it, they see, let's say on average it's like eight yards, they found a spot, let's say that's like six yards. They found the narrowest part of the ditch and they were such amazing warriors, they galloped with their horses on this side. So inshallah next week we'll see what happened there. And how, <laughs> and how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saved that day. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad.